0: the gritty growing up podcast because mental health conversations don't have to be uncomfortable and argumentative gritty growing up is about challenging the perceptions of childhood and recognizing that whilst it isn't what it used to be we can still make it positive join us as we share conversations knowledge and strategies to help your family connect and move forward together welcome back to Gritty Growing Up. We're back with more podcasts about mental health and all those issues affecting children, young people and families. Now in this episode we're going to dive into the danger word, stress. The issue with stress is that other than it surrounds everything is that it's become almost fashionable to be competitive about our stress who has the most to do, to declare how stressed we are, to tell everyone about how much we've got to get done, to wear our badge of stress and overwhelm as a badge of honour to our friends, family and social media. But what is the risk of competitive stress? What is the detrimental impact of us using our stress as a badge of honour rather than a warning sign that we need to take some drastic action to protect our health and well-being? The NHS defines stress as the body's reaction to feeling threatened or under pressure. It's very common, can be motivating to help us achieve things in our daily life and can help us meet the demands of homework and family life. However, so frequently we hear adults talk about young people having nothing to be stressed about. But in reality, in a world with more stresses and triggers than ever before, across all age groups, what's happening internally? Whilst it's great to have a small amount of stress to help us get motivated, to hit deadlines, complete our homework and get those small tasks completed... What happens when that stress is prolonged, daily, chronic or never ending? Stress, which is not well managed or is inflicted from external factors, can cause physical, emotional and intellectual symptoms. Long term stress, which is not managed, can cause us health issues. Now, when our brain identifies a situation as a threat, it activates a chain of events inside us. They're all associated with stress. It triggers the amygdala, our internal alarm system, and consequently the sympathetic nervous system, our fight-or-flight system, starts kicking into action. And that chain of events triggers the central nervous system, which in turn releases adrenaline and cortisol to create the physical responses needed in the body to tell us that something's wrong. Some of us, however, can become almost addicted to those feelings, feeling that if we're not stressed, maybe we can't get anything done. But what are those stressors? Stresses can be internal, such as health issues, unrealistic expectations, negative self-talk, negative thoughts and feelings, low self-esteem, an addiction to stress or stressful events, a constant lack of sleep, lifestyle choices such as excessive alcohol, caffeine or sugar, smoking or use of drugs. Externally, we might have factors such as major life events, including family breakdowns, financial problems, family issues, abuse, neglect, bullying, bereavement, loss of employment, supporting a family member with an addiction or a mental health issue. Physically, our environment can be full of stresses, excessive lighting or noise, pollution, living in an unsafe environment or an overcrowded one. Self-inflicted issues can be over committing ourselves to things, not taking regular breaks, overbooking our diary and not prioritising our self-care. In the short term, these things might be overlooked. We might think, do you know what, they won't have much of an impact. But children and adolescents who are stressed, just like adults, might complain of headaches or dizziness, have muscle pains or tension, suffer with stomach issues, be fatigued, tummy aches, making complaints of their heart hurting or pounding, having ringy or noisy ears, having difficulty sleeping or nightmares, sleeping too much or too little. They might be eating more or less than usual. They might suffer some sort of regression going back to thumb sucking bed wetting, finding it difficult to make decisions or becoming easily upset or distracted. They might struggle to regulate their own emotions or be watching situations from a state of hypervigilance. They might have emotional reactions which are not relative to the situation, perhaps kicking off at something quite small, getting upset about something minor. They might be irritable, agitated or withdrawn. They might have thoughts which are just stuck, they just can't get out of those loops. They might have changes to their personality, going from being easygoing and confident to fearful and upset or being easily overwhelmed by things. They might complain about the environment, including sounds, how busy places are, the temperature of what's around them or losing interest in things that they used to enjoy. For many, stress may be short-term and quickly over. For instance, a set of exams or a short period of stress after a house move. However, in some circumstances where there's a cycle of stressful events or when stress comes from our physical environment, what then happens? The frequent issues that I see in my work as a therapist with children and previously in my work as a teacher was that the themes of stress tend to come from core places. They can come from young people who overcommit or become addicted to being overwhelmed in a belief that it will make them better or more successful, that perfectionist need to be right and best at everything. Parents who overcommit their child to too many activities, events or commitments, whether it's clubs, activities, sports, or, which just leave children with no time to relax and a belief that if they don't do them, they're letting their parents down. Or a belief system that's been installed from the adults around them that it's positive to be busy, that it's actually not acceptable to have that downtime or to relax, that busyness is a state of control and it's the thing that we should be doing. The issue is that in the short term, the issues may not appear to be an issue, but what happens when it goes on for weeks, months or even years? When we hit a point of chronic stress, when stress has been mismanaged or not managed at all for a long period of time, we can see the extremes of mental health problems, depression, anxiety, memory loss, chronic fatigue, weight gain, reduced immune systems, digestive issues, sleep problems, personality disorders, reaching right up to cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, heart attacks, strokes and an increased risk of substance misuse. Stress is a dangerous thing. Yes, stress can be a wonderful thing for short periods of time to keep us motivated, but what happens when we're stuck in a cycle of being stressed? long-term stress is dangerous. We all have different thresholds for how much stress we can manage, but when stress has a long-term impact on the body, the outcomes can be life-changing. So why on earth do we brag about it? How on earth is it positive to be so busy that we cannot relax? How is it something to be proud of that we have excellent grades but our mental health is in tatters? Is it truly beneficial to keep children and young people so busy that they cannot experience joy or happiness or feel guilty for taking time out? Is it really worth the drama to go seeking out stressful activities to fill a need, but to end up with long-term psychological problems? We know that stress is bad for us, so when will we start making time for our health? So something I want to consider today is how, as a family or professional, we can support young people to reduce their stress levels and to develop a more healthy attitude to life. Number one is about setting realistic expectations. As adults, we need to set realistic expectations and we need to model them. It's not realistic to be at school from 8.30 to 3 and then after school activities from 3.30 to 8 and do homework and have good mental health. Do a regular lifestyle review, a diary review and ensure that there's plenty of downtime in the week and weekends because it's in that downtime that we process any situations that have upset us during the week. We need to be clear on our priorities. Happiness, joy, health and sleep are by far our priorities over overcommitting and exhausting ourselves. Whilst academics, activities and sports are important, downtime to relax and develop a sense of self and self-esteem are core to our mental health. So balance becomes really important. Ensure that the week includes some activities that don't have expectations or outcomes. Exercise and get out in nature. Exercise naturally balances our mood and improves our mental health, which reduces mood disorders and depression. Our brains need endorphins, dopamine and serotonin to feel good. So planning in regular downtime outside to allow us to unwind and release those vital neurotransmitters is actually really important to our mental and our physical health. It also improves our focus, concentration and reduces inflammation in the body, which therefore means if we do it regularly, when we are studying, we're going to be more proactive. Plan some downtime. Our brains work 24-7 and in order to process events, they need some time when they can breathe. Therefore, taking some time to rest, relax and recuperate is really important in terms of allowing us to take stock. Staying busy can be great fun, but often it delays the processing and can mean that things catch up with us later. Taking one to two days a week for our quiet activities, albeit art, gardening, walks, reading or construction toys, or just fun days out or time together as a family allow us some vital downtime. Eat well. Our brains are reliant on us providing it with the correct nutrients. When we eat well, we feel better. So taking the time to try new recipes, cook new foods or even get out to pick our own farms and collect some wonderful rainbow coloured ingredients can be the perfect way to improve our well-being. Connect with people. When we spend time with friends and family, it makes us feel better. Connections release oxytocin and dopamine, which improves our mood and well-being. Whilst talking on the phone is great, spending time with people in person raises our mental health. Think of that saying, when you spend time with people who are good for you, you feel it in your soul. Something I so frequently see is so many young people with so many expectations that they need to fulfil that they don't have those strong bonds with their peers. Get out in nature. Whilst it's tempting to pull the covers over our heads and hide, when we get out in nature, we increase the levels of serotonin and endorphins in our body, which are natural mood boosters. Think about the woodland, the beach, the hillsides, the lakes or the mountains and go and enjoy some scenery. If in doubt, seek professional input. If you've got concerns about a child or young person's stress, accessing therapy and supporting resources such as therapeutic stories, hypnotherapy audios, mindfulness or relaxation, can really help children to manage their stress and reduce the impact on their central nervous systems. Stress is not something that we need to ignore. Stress is something that we need to take more seriously and in a country where our stress levels are so high that they impact our employment, if we can teach young people to manage their stress now, they're in a better position as they get older. So taking the time to make those small lifestyle choices, to reset our expectations, to model those positive behaviours as adults to young people is a great starting point to show them that we can actually balance everything and still achieve our outcomes. We'll be back soon with another episode of Gritty Growing Up. In the meantime, stay safe, look after each other and keep talking. Stay safe, keep open-minded, and we'll look forward to sharing more gritty moments with you next time. If you want to up your knowledge in the meantime, head over to www.dandeliontraininganddevelopment.com.